Today we're going to talk about uh, what we, you could call the, the choice to rejoice. The choice to rejoice. All right. Philippians chapter 4 is where we'll start. And again, we've been going through this book here, and we're just going to read verses 1 through 4, and all we're really going to focus on is verse 4 today. Well, let's read it again, and Paul is kind of tying up some, uh, <clears> they're <throat> trying to sort out some conflict here between a couple of ladies in the church that need to uh, reconcile, and he calls on other people to intervene and help them. And then he speaks about having joy in the Lord. So here we go, Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, my beloved, <clears throat> my dearly, <clears throat> pardon me, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let's just read verse 4 together, okay? Verse 4, pretty simple. Begin. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And so that you know this is not just some odd uh, New Testament concept, let's look in the Old Testament here. Habakkuk, if you found it, if it's like, oh, it's going to take me a while to find it, then I'll read it for you here. Habakkuk 3, um, the last three verses of Habakkuk. And a lot of times these minor prophets, were their message was often a message warning of coming judgment on a nation, on their nation, and they needed to warn of it. They, they mingled it with hope. They mingled it with promise of God restoring them. They challenged people to repent. But it's a lot of it is that, hey, we're going to get invaded. <laughs> and that's kind of what it was. And so, but Habakkuk ends on such a good note here, uh, such a sweet, hopeful note, uh, that it's just like a, an equivalent of what we read here in Philippians. Habakkuk uh, chapter 3, the last three verses, 17, 18, 19. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Although the fig trees shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds' feet. and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. That means this is worth singing about. There's Habakkuk saying something. Go back to Philippians. We're now in Philippians again. Simple thought there, simple verse. The Apostle Paul had things wither also, had things uh, fail. He had favor of, of people fail. Habakkuk talked about a, a crop failing. Oh, the crop failed. Habakkuk talked about you know, some other things not blossoming. The Apostle Paul had some favor of his countrymen fail. And he was, years before he wrote Philippians, was arrested and falsely accused of some things embarrassingly in front of people and beaten up and almost pulled apart between two factions. And there was... A failure of favor with men, you could say. 
And then for the next couple of years, if I remember the timeline right, which you can find in the book of Acts, Paul was thrown here and there and moved under this governor and under, had this hearing and that hearing and put on this boat and that place and, and shipwrecked and stranded on an island with some other guys that uh, were criminals, legitimate criminals, but he was lumped in with them. And, and it's a series of unfair treatment. And things fail. There was no fun. Uh, and then he finds himself under what it could be a prison. It seems like it was more like a house arrest in this scenario. You can read about it in the end of the book of Acts. And you know what? He doesn't say, boy, that was fun getting stranded on an island. Boy, that was fun getting lied about by my fellow brothers, my Jews. No, he's like, you know, I'm rejoicing in the Lord. Though my, my favor of friends fail, though I get a lot of... Uh, bad comments on my Facebook page, uh, though I get nasty emails and anonymous notes that coward pe cowardly people don't sign to, uh, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. And so that's what Paul's saying here. Philippians chapter 4, but then he says, look what it says again, Philippians 4, 4, this is our verse. This is all we're going to focus on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. No, wait a minute. Again, oh, Paul's repeating himself. What is wrong with Paul? Does he have something? Yeah. Um, you know, we get these melt. We're going to all get something. Yeah. Um, uh, see, I can't even remember what it is. I got something right now. <laughs> you know, Alzheimer's or something. I don't know. We're all going to get something or some brand new thing that they diagnose. Is he repeating himself like an old guy? You know, old. How about these dad jokes? You know, if you ever have, does anybody tell dad jokes? If you're a dad, yeah, okay. Any of you kids like dad jokes? Yeah, anybody hate dad jokes? All right, so here's what happens. If you ever laugh at a dad joke, you will hear it again. Yeah. And so, you know, I've read about dad jokes. Dad's thinking, oh, that was funny. I better tell that one again. You know, and that's how they think. And so here's some dad jokes that sometimes if you think they're funny, they get repeated. You know, what did the drummer name his twin daughters? Anna one, Anna two. <laughs> okay. All right. Another dad joke. Did you again, did you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. <laughs> okay. All right. And the dad's telling his son, Yes, I was at the ATM the other day standing behind someone. And uh, they turned around and said, can you check my balance? So I pushed him. His balance wasn't so great. All right. And then the dad, I got a son that probably getting a license next month. And maybe I'll try this dad joke on him. It's a dad comment. You know, Johnny, are you a, did you put your an organ donor on your license? Yeah. You know it takes guts to be an organ donor. Oh, I don't even like dad jokes. I'm having to cringe through them. So anyways, so there's three rules. I read there's three rules for comedy. Uh, if something's funny, uh, keep saying it until it's not. The second rule is if something's not funny, keep saying it till it is. The third rule is if something's not funny, keep saying it till it is. And the fourth rule is, if something's not funny, keep saying thanks. Okay, all right, here we go. That was a dad joke. All right. 
So Paul, all I'm, I'm just kind of laughing with you a little bit. Paul's repeating himself. See, Matt's shaking his head here. Matt, uh, Paul is repeating himself, but it's not like a dad joke. It's something, it's something important. He said, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say. All right, so who, who wrote the Bible? Men did, but the Holy Spirit carried them along and authored that. So the Holy Spirit is authorizing a repetition. We had already been going through the book of Philippians, and Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Throughout the book, this element of joy is in the book. In fact, the word in this book, you see the word gladness one time. You see the word thanks in some form two times. You see the word joy six times. And you see the word rejoice in some form 12 times. This is a happy book coming from a person who's in otherwise what we would consider an unhappy place after two unhappy years. And yet he's rejoicing. He's making a happy adaptation to his circumstance, and he's encouraging others to do it. And so here he says, rejoice in the Lord. Um, now this is interesting. You know, sometimes we have our little, I've done this with all my little kids. Sometimes they'll get fussy about something, you know, their food or something. And so later, you know, with charity, she'll, she might get a little fussy about something, our youngest. And I'll, and I'll say, hey, you don't be fussy. You be happy. You know, you be happy. No fussy. You know, I'm commanding her to be happy. And some people are like, that's not right to command somebody to be happy. Well, the Holy Spirit just did. The Holy Spirit just does to us. He commands us to rejoice right there. You can't just tell somebody to rejoice. Well, the Holy Spirit just told us all to rejoice. Now, we're going we're gonna to get the whole picture of what this means. It doesn't mean uh, block off your natural counterpart emotions. That's not what it means. Um, besides, this is a choice of an attitude. Can you not choose your daily attitude? Can you not choose them? Right? Our feelings work against our daily, our daily attitude, but we can still choose our daily attitude. Our bodies, sometimes we, we can choose to a limited extent how our body's going to feel. Sometimes our body doesn't always feel well because of some things that were out of our control but we can still choose our daily attitude. Paul's saying, choose this. You know what Paul's really saying? He's basically saying, be completely happy in the Lord. Let me repeat myself. Be completely happy in the Lord. That's what he's saying. Isn't this amazing? This is, this is something that I'm trying to learn more and more. And obviously, we've already had a message on it before. Uh, so let's look at three parts to this to reinforce this command. Three angles here. First of all, we'll revisit the concept of what, is, of what it means to rejoice. That's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing is we're going to look, consider the cause of rejoicing. And then thirdly, we'll look, based on this verse, that this is saying to do it continually, to continually rejoice. All right? So the concept, the cause, and the continual practice of this command to be happy in the Lord. All right, number one, the concept, rejoice. What does it mean? That It's a delight is what it means. It's have a delight, to be glad. It means to be happy about. You know, some of you are going to come home 
And some of you, you're going to open the door and your dog's going to go and start running around in circles or bounce on the couch and you're like, stop, stop, Skippy, stop it, you know. And you're going to try to calm your dog down because your dog's all happy because you're home. And, uh, or if you pull out, you want a snack, you want a snack, <laughs> you know, and they get all happy about it, right? And your dog gets happy. They, they're rejoicing in the dog snack or they're rejoicing in seeing you. And then if you look at them like, were you in the garbage? And they shame, you know, you try to shame them or whatever. But you know, these our animals, they get all happy about something. That's what it means. It's just to be happy in the Lord, to be happy in God. That's what it means. Uh, kids, sometimes you'll say, all right, kids, guess what we're going to have for dinner tonight? Broccoli! No, you say, guess what we're going to have? Pizza! And they'll use the most kids that are normal. Well, she'd be happy about that, right? Okay, some of them need gluten-free. That's fine. Throw that out at them too. That means they get their own. Okay, uh, you know, with most of us are Suns fans, and we want to hear Al McCoy say, Suns win, Suns win, Suns win. You know, we get happy about that. Some of us do in here, right? Okay, and uh, so we get the concept of rejoicing means to, 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 to it's a delight, it's to take delight or be happy about. That's what it means. It's also the concept is not a denial. Listen to this. We're not reading something where God is um, uh, cutting us off, telling us to cut ourselves off from our natural uh, emotions that He installed in our factory uh, software. Okay? All of our factory software is taken by sin, but there's things He installed in us. You're meant to have some anger, but not sin. You're meant to be sad. You're meant to have, uh, at times, mourning. Uh, you're meant to have, uh, you, you know, it's okay to have a feeling of jealousy, to, to be uh, possessive over something you possess. Not envy, but jealous. You're meant to have those. You're meant to be happy. Uh, you're meant to have, um, to know what it means to have a sense of peace. So there's an array of emotions. So whatever we're saying here is not canceling out maybe counterpart emotions or counterpart attitudes even. So it's not a denial of our counterpart emotions. Jesus mourned and wept. He cried. And he tells us, you're blessed for doing that, for you should be comforted. James says, be weep and mourn, let your laughter be turned to mourning in, in context to, of, of, uh, of sin. Um, Paul and Jesus affirmed these other emotions. But when... Um, so, so, so what I'm saying is, is like, think about this. The Apostle Paul is commanding us. So where are we at? The Apostle Paul is commanding us to rejoice in the Lord. That means to be happy in the Lord. That does not cancel out having moments of mourning and sadness, even at the same time. Did you hear me? Even at the same time. All right. Let's tell the story of Paul. I've said it as we've gone through this series, but let me tell you again. The guy who, who planted this church, the Apostle Paul and Silas, there was two others with him, but they weren't imprisoned with him. Paul and Silas came with, his, with some others to Philippi, a major city in uh, that Macedonia, which was, ended up being the first church planted in Europe. When, they go, when he went there, he started out starting pretty much a church, started out meeting with some ladies by a river, and then it moved to this lady's house. Some people became Christians. The first Philippian church started out with some ladies, and then it grew. 
And then there was, a, there was a young lady in that city, not in the church, but in that city that was possessed of devils. And Paul and Silas, uh, somehow there was some passing by of where they were traveling, and that, that young lady who was possessed of devils, and she was used as a soothsayer. By the way, you know, devils can have, they have some insight. And they can speak through people. Yeah, go to the, yeah, don't go. But, you know, the crystal ball, the reading of the palms and the tarot cards. Stay away from that stuff. It's because there's, there's demons that work with it. They're in coordination behind it. Well, there was a girl like that. When she saw Paul and Silas, and of all things that she could say to them, she didn't say, well, people, stay away from them. She said, these are the servants of the Most High God, which show to us the way of salvation. She said it in such a way that it wasn't good. She kept saying, these are God's servants. These, and it was a creepy way that she was saying it. And finally, Paul and Silas were grieved by this. And so Paul, God gave Paul the ability to cast the demon out of her. And when the demons were cast out of her, the men that were using her to make money weren't making money anymore. And so since once they hit the, once the, once the pocketbook was hit and hurt, and like this girl... It's not the same. She can't do this, her spooky stuff behind the curtain like she used to do and make us money. And so they weren't making money. And so what they did was they went and caught, these were non-Jews, or the Paul and Silas who were Christian Jews. They caught them and they, as a, as a cover, they said, hey, they brought them to the Roman authorities. They said, these guys being Jews are messing up our culture. They're teaching us to do things that are contrary to Roman customs. That was a lie. Their pocketbook was hit. But they, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't have gone over well with the authorities. They said, they're teaching us to do these customs that just aren't right for us Romans. These guys are anti-patriotic. We need to arrest them. So they got Paul and Silas. What happened is they grabbed Paul and Silas. And they, not only that, if you really look at it, it was a racial thing too, because they could have got Luke and they could have got Timothy. They didn't take Luke and Timothy. They got the Jews and they stripped them and they beat them openly. And so, okay, let's pause at that point. Time out. Do you think if you're stripped and you're beaten and whipped, it hurts? Do you think you might say, ouch? Yeah. You think you might, oh man, you maybe get a little pale. Losing some blood, they probably were feeling pain, right? All right, that's what they did to them. And they took them to a jailer. The jailer took them. They said, put them in prison. Um, they, they not only put them in prison, they put them in the inner prison, it says. And not only that, they made their feet, their feet uh, locked uh, in the, uh, or fast in the stocks, it says. I'm going to get the exact language. Uh, it says, the, the multitude rose up against them. The magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, the jailer, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So now they're, you know, I went, I had to go to an emergency room and I'm fine. It was like last week and it was nothing big. But when you go, if you're in pain, and you go somewhere to like an emergency room, right, just at least calm me down, get me some relief, right? You know, just, and that you expect that. So here these guys are in pain, and here's your ER room, clunk, put, to, put the stocks on your ankles and throw you in the prison. And that's how they were, okay? And though, so they're in pain, 
they're feeling pain. I'm, I'm sure that uh, they weren't on some kind of drug that numbed them, okay? So, but what do they do? There's not the denial of pain. There's the existence of pain. But what do they do? They don't say, woohoo, that feels good. They said, well, there's one thing we can be happy about, the Lord. And so it says in Acts 16, verse 25, at midnight, that's when nobody's really too you know, happy unless you had a couple of cappuccinos or something, and you're like, Vrr! but at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. So my whole point is, does painting that scenario is this. Rejoicing is, is means to, to be happy about, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it starts with an attitude, and it doesn't mean you deny other feelings or the need to mourn or the need to be sorrow. It just means as far as the Lord goes, yay. As far as God goes, I'm happy. As far as, as, far as God's relating to me, yes, I'm, I'm glad, and I sing praise to Him. Can you put another Band-Aid on me, please? Getting a little faint here. I'm losing some blood. But I'm happy in the Lord. That's what he's saying. It's not a denial of your humanity. All right? We have the need to um, be relieved of pain in as much as we can and, and, and such. It's also a deliberate choice. The concept of rejoicing is a deliberate choice and not so much a feeling. So here's Paul and Silas. There they are rejoicing in the Lord. So what does it say? That's the concept of, of rejoicing. Then the cause. Well, the cause, I already have been saying it. That's the second point of our, our time. The cause is in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord. Now, some of us, if you go to, um, let's see here, let's think of a place. You, um, you know, some kids, they, when they go to school, they don't rejoice in school. Ah, oh, good, good at school, you know. But when they go to, like our kids, let's see, what's a good place they like to go to? You know, we used to go to Chuck E. Cheese, but we found out the brat side came out of some of them. Um, so let's see. What's a, what's a place? That, oh, they like Peter Piper pizza. Sometimes we go there. And, and so they rejoice in, in being there, right? Now, all of us, if you are saved spiritually, you're not in prison spiritually. You're in the Lord. You're not in the devil. You're in the Lord. You're not in your own you're not in your old Adamic uh, state, that is a state of guilt. You have, still have that in your body, but you're not in God's eyes under the, the guilt of the natural man. You're now in the Lord. So in that, as far as in the Lord, okay, great. I rejoice in the Lord. This is the perfect restaurant. This is the perfect uh, hotel. Everything here is great. God is good and how God relates to me and how God and how uh, and what God uh, is showing me and doing for me in my life. It's When it says rejoice in the Lord, it means in what He does and is to me, I can be happy about. There's cause for rejoicing and the cause is in the Lord. I don't always have cause to be happy if I, have, um, if I get uh, a stomach virus or something. Man, that's terrible. I've had things where I've had a real bad stomach virus and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm throwing up and stuff and, I've, and I, I can't even get sympathy from my wife at all. You know, and it's okay. After her having nine kids, she's gonna be like, "That's nothing," you know. You know, I and so, but it's not that she's heartless, but she, but both of us know that you know this is no comparison. But it's the closest thing. I just hurt, you know. I tell myself, but uh, you know, uh, 
I don't even know where I was going with that. Maybe I'm getting old. But God is the cause for rejoicing here, okay? All right, so let's look at this. The cause. What is it? Our Bible, you're sitting there, you have your Bible. It says, in the Lord. All right, let's think about three things about that, about God, about um, that Jesus is the cause for me to be happy as far as it relates to him. Three, three thoughts here. This is produced by the Holy Spirit. The idea of even rejoicing, a, a true Christian joy is produced by the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians, the Bible, your Bible says that the fruit, the produce, the stuff in the produce market of the Holy Spirit, one of them is joy, happiness. So there's a certain type. Okay, wait a second. Everybody, I'll go to a casino, you'll see joy, or you want to call happiness, you want to make a distinction, fine. Whatever, you'll see some type of glee at a casino. You'll see some type of glee at a, at a bar. You'll see some type of glee at a ball game, and there's nothing wrong with that part. You'll see glee or happiness or joy at different places, but there's a certain kind that's like, wait a minute, that fruit is different. That's unique. Somebody's been farming on the inside of you and it hasn't been the casino, hasn't been the drugs, and it hasn't been the favorite ball team. Oh, it's the Holy Spirit working on me and developing the inside of my life. And one of his fruits is joy and it must be unique and different. It's the kind that even works when you're beaten bloody in stocks at midnight in a prison. Ah, that's gotta be of the Holy Spirit of God because nobody else could do that and a better casino won't make you happy. By the way, I'm not advocating to go to those anyways. But it's produced by the Holy Spirit. And it's and, and again, um, I, I, you could read about some of the Christian martyrs in, in times past. John Huss, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 14, 1500s. Uh, the Catholics said, you're teaching the wrong stuff, which actually he was teaching the Bible stuff, and they got upset about it. He wouldn't be quiet, so they tied him up, burned him at a stake. At, the, <clears throat> at a stake that is at a on a pole and burned him, and he sang praises in the flames. I, I don't know that I, I could do that. And that not every martyr's done that. Don't, be, don't misunderstand. But the whole idea was that he sang praises in the flames while his, while his persecutors reveled in his death and sang praises to God. It's just because, you know what? He didn't have any drugs. He wasn't out of his mind. It was the Holy Spirit doing something. Don't we need that? You know, we're probably not going to get burned at a stake. But sometimes we get burned by people. And i got to find a way to, well, he's not good, but God's good. And it makes me happy right now in this moment. That's all he's saying. So there's a cause for rejoicing. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. It's sometimes passed over in our minds to think of anything good of God in a day. Sometimes we go through a day and we haven't thought, was there anything good of God in this day? To me, in me, about me. Is there anything good that I can rejoice about that relates to the Lord that happened in me, to me, or about me? We pass over that. You know, the psalmist said, this is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, there's something in this. Psalm 118, he says that. Maybe you can go at the end of your day and say, what was good about my day today? And just have an honest answer. Don't go lying. Just be honest with yourself. What was good about my day today? Is there something you can rejoice in the Lord about at the end of your day today or tomorrow or the next day? So this cause is produced by the Holy Spirit. It's passed over in the mind, but it also it progresses as we stay relating to God. 
All right. So, all right. So I'm thinking, I'm talking about this thing. I'm, I've watched, I'm reading the Apostle Paul's life. I read other Christians' life. And I say, boy, they have a joy in the Lord. I have the same Lord as they do. They just have a little, it's a, up a couple of notches. We have the same, I know I'm saved like Paul. I'm just not always happy in the Lord. So what does that mean? It might mean that I need to get to know the Lord a little more. It's kind of like you, you get a house and maybe you get a, let's just pretend we get a new house, okay? Let's just say some of you, you get a house. All right, I think in Agrotopia, most of them have basements. Do you know that? You know where Agrotopia is? Kind of like a little spot over by Higley and Ray. I didn't know this. You go through the neighborhood, it's a unique neighborhood, and you're like, oh, they're about average size houses. But actually, you go in there, it's almost like double. There's a basement about as big as the top floor. Like, I think I went to one of them, they're like, oh, it's a 4,000 square foot house. I'm like, where's the house at? You know, and I'm like, it only looks so, well, we got a basement, and it goes back. I'm like, wow, that's pretty neat. Some of us, we go, we're in the Lord, and we're like, oh, this is all there is to God. Yeah. Well, maybe we need to get to know the Lord. And as you get to know the Lord, you're like, oh, wow. And so here we go. Let's talk about this for a little bit. And some Bible verses, things that, just some Bible verses to, that, that say this attitude, this thing, this thing you might do or say or trust helps. All right, here's some Bible verses. Um, Psalm 70, verse 4, Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. It's saying let everybody that seeks God and gets to know God and walk with God and explore with God, let those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. It's not like, you know, I got to know the Lord. I figured it all out. He's kind of boring by now. What? I mean, getting to know the Lord, you might as well try to get to know the universe, right? And beyond that, as Rusty was telling us in Sunday school, they that seek thee be rejoice and be glad in thee. Psalm 92.4 For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. It's good to say, okay, this is... The local church is one aspect of God's work on earth. It is. It's not the only thing. It's the main thing for the gospel, though. Okay? But he says, you've made me glad, Lord, through your work. If I plug in somehow at some level with God's work, then he says we can be made glad through his work. I'll repeat the psalm. Psalm 92.4, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the work of thy hands. Think on that verse. Getting involved and tying yourself somehow to God's work is connected to joy. Num uh, another, another verse here that, again, it, it stirs up some cause for rejoicing here. Uh, Psalm 104, 34. My meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. My meditation of Him. That means, you know, pause and consider God longer than the five-minute devotional. You know? Meditation of him shall be sweet. And then Proverbs, we go a lot of them, but Proverbs 16, 20, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. And whoso trusteth in the Lord, the outcome is, happy is he. Again, it doesn't mean that there's not mingled with other things that are disappointments. So my question is, do you believe any of these Bible verses that have been preached or taught at this point? 
or even quoted. Do you believe any of that would cause any kind of rejoicing for you in your life? Or maybe take it up a little notch. Again, what am I talking about? I'm talking about as far as you being in the Lord. What do I got to complain about? This is a perfect thing. The perfect God. Rejoice in the Lord. Is there anything in Him worth rejoicing about? And then, so we looked at this the concept, the cause, and then here's, look at this. One word teaches us another thing here. What is it? In Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Well, always means all the time. It doesn't mean like you walk through, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It doesn't mean like that. It just means there's always, it's like, a, um, you know, it's not like I go through a season where God stinks. You know, it's that um, always. Continual rejoicing. That's the last point. There is to be continual rejoicing. Why can there be, think about this. All right, here's, here's uh, the Lord. I'm in the Lord. Why, how could there be continually re continual rejoicing in the Lord? Well, because there's continually something to know good about Him. And it's also because He never changes. How many of us had a, how many of us have ever bought a brand new car? Anybody ever bought a brand new car? All right. And then you got to where you bought the car and then after so, so many years you didn't like the car. Anybody like that? Say I didn't like that. Most of you like Okay. Somebody, somebody, you buy a fairly new car. You drive it after a while and you're like, eh, I don't really like it that much. I want to get a new car. I don't like the sound it makes or the paint job or whatever. And after a while you're like, I don't like it anymore. That's okay. If you want to get a new car, it's justified in the budget. Get a new car, used car, whatever. Well, the point is, is this. You get something, like you're happy with it. And then after a while, like, I'm not happy with it. It smells weird. Well, that's your fault. You've probably been the only one driving, right? You know, I'm not happy with the, the sound of it. Or you see, you, 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 this isn't good, but you like start comparing, you know. And you become unhappy with something. Why? Now, sometimes it's either because you've changed or the car is worn down and changed. All right? So the, the point is, is that <clears throat> sometimes we don't like something anymore because it changed the, from the good it used to be. Sometimes you get like that with people. Hey, this guy used to be pretty cool. I don't like him anymore. Well, he changed. And that should challenge you need to rethink your friendship. You're going to be a friend that loves all times. But especially with God, God never changes. And he's always good and he's always loving. And he's always there and he's always gracious. And he's always forgiving. And he's always um, at his right hand of pleasures forevermore. There's something good of him. So that should make it where I can always be happy in the Lord. Um, he never changes. For some of us, it's conditional. I'll be happy in the Lord if everything in my life is good. I'll be happy in the Lord if, you know, okay, I was... I finally got, I'm not hangry anymore. I got, I got a meal, so I'm happy in God. Well, look, you might be hungry and might be hangry, but you can still be um, happy in the Lord. Um, I'll be happy in the Lord as long as people are liking me. I'll be happy in the Lord as long as I had a good day. I'll be happy in the Lord as long as, um, you know, my health is perfect. And I know some of these things are easy to say. 
But God never changes. And He's there. He's always with us. And I got We got I guess what I'm saying is this, and we're going to get to this more later on in this chapter. And I realize this is that sometimes our Christianity is really cheap. And what I mean is it's really, um, it works only under the best circumstances, we think. But really, the, way, the Christianity that God designs works under any circumstance. Paul is exemplifying that to a certain extent. He's like, you know what? I'm rejoicing in the Lord. You know what? Later on, we're going to get to this, and this is very convicting for me. He's like, look, Paul says, look, listen, I've learned how to be poor and I've learned how to manage wealth. I've learned how to be in a hot circumstance. I've learned how to be in a cold circumstance. Now, Paul, to back up, Paul learned a lot from, from academic and religious stuff. He learned tons of stuff. They think you may have had it like an equivalent of a double doctorate. But in Christian life, he's like, no, I'm still, I'm learning. I've, I have learned that whatever scenario I'm in, to be content, self-adapted is what it means. And sometimes we don't adapt well our Christianity to changing or adverse circumstances, and I'm one of them. And But one of the things I don't want to come through through a difficult circumstance that I may be dealing with, is that one, and I hope you don't want it to come through, is that God, I'm soured with God. I might be soured with people, and I can talk about that. But I don't want to ever say I'm soured with God. Listen to what Spurgeon said, Charles Spurgeon. If believers are to represent heaven to earth, then joy of the Lord should be one of our trademarks. Why would I want to go to a God you're not happy with? For in Christ's presence is fullness of joy. We obtain and maintain this joy by rejoicing in the right object. We rejoice not in our situation, Spurgeon says, but in our Savior. Not in circumstances, but in Christ. By the way, that preacher that said that battled, um, I forgot the name of it, he battled an ailment for years. He died in his 50s, and his wife wasn't in church for the last probably 20, 30 years because she had an issue. And he learned that. This is an indestructible, it's an indestructible rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Boy, I told you maybe this story before. I think I have, because it really means more to me now, is about a British factory worker I read about that um, he was Christian and he, you know, he talked to his coworkers to some extent. They knew he was a Christian. But they kind of had a little more of an adversarial uh, demeanor toward him. You know, oh, you know, kind of mocked him a little bit. But he, you know, was known, he Christian, he trusts the Lord, he prayed. He, uh, you know, they were praying for a baby. He told his workers that, you know, oh, whatever, you know. And they kind of mocked him. And so he found out his wife, after a long time, his wife finally gets pregnant. Wow, it's great. And so um, he's all happy about it. He says, look, God's answered our prayer. My wife is pregnant. I'm like, okay, you know. So she gives birth. When she gives birth, uh, baby's got Down syndrome. It's a shock to them. They didn't have these pre-things that tested it and all that. And they and they didn't know what they're dealing with. By the way, our number nine has Down syndrome. And, and my wife was more like geared up for it. I was like, what am I dealing with here? I really, I didn't know. And so he was like, 
He didn't know either. But this is who God gave to them, this baby with Down syndrome. Um, so he's like, man, I'm going back to work. These guys know my whole story. They know my wife. Uh, we prayed. Finally, she's pregnant. Finally, she has birth. Finally, and they found out that the baby has Down syndrome. What are they going to say to me? They're going to find some kind of adversarial uh, sneer remark or whatever. So he goes into work. He's praying, God, show me what to say. I, I, I want to say the right thing. I know that you gave her to us, and I'm believing you for that. We're going to make this work. He goes in, and they said, so, God gave you this child, huh? After praying, you know, like, oh, you prayed, and then you get this. And he just said, you know what? I, I, uh, I am really glad. I'm really glad God gave us this baby to us and not to you. And he made a happy adaptation of it. Now, I used to read that story, and I used to think, man, that's, yeah, that's hard. Now I'm like, Shh, I'm glad I got ours. She's a sweetheart. But, you know, there's some other things even more dis, dis, unsavory, and you have to think, all right, that hurts, but God doesn't. That's not good, but God is. You ever go to a restaurant, and you're like, they come to you, and you sit down, and they're like, so they come back, and they're like, maybe it's because they're trying to work up a good tip, you know? So how is everything? Is it good? Is it good? Do you want some more chips? I'm like, yeah, some more chips. In fact, I'm not going to even order any more food. This is great. No. <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, I don't say that, but I want to. Um, and so there is everything good. And, you know, after you've gotten the meal and you've been, yeah, was that good? Okay, you need some more water. And then they, they try to keep, make everything. And sometimes you'll be like, well, you know, this was a little cold. Or uh, my wife might be like, here's, you know, my, my beef. My wife likes burnt beef. Okay. <laughs> And uh, so she's like, can you cook it a little more? They'll do that for her. And, and so they'll be like, is everything okay? And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But the whole idea here is like, in the Lord, everything's good. <laughs> in the Lord it is. In the Lord. And so let me wrap up with a, a few thoughts here. All of this stuff. So we're talking about being in the Lord, I can rejoice in the Lord. That means since I've I, I decided to put my faith in Jesus, the one who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead, that means I'm in the Lord. If you're here or watching and you're just watching from the outside about God, you're not in the Lord and you don't really know the rejoice in the Lord. You know the rejoice in all the even God-given pleasures of life. You can know that. That's fine. But you don't know the rejoice in the Lord until you're in the Lord. And the, the, the pinnacle of that rejoicing in the Lord is going to be when we're snatched out of here and we're with him in heaven in a completely sinless environment. That's and so if you don't know, if you don't have the Lord as your Savior, you don't know rejoicing in the Lord. Sometimes, let's be honest here. Sometimes I did see I'm having these glasses. Sometimes I get such a hurry in my life, and I'm like, I'm trying to read stuff, I'm trying to do things, and I'm grabbing my and my kids' charity grabs my glasses and goes like this, and I put it on, it's all foggy, and I'm like, wait, I gotta. I'm reading something, maybe I'm doing something in the kitchen, and I'm like, I can't see, I can't see, and I just need to take the time to just clean my glasses, you know. Just pause a minute. I don't like, I'm just getting in such a, all right, pause, clean the glasses, you know, or you're driving. You ever get like, I know some of you get like this. You drive your car, and you get in, like, man, my windshield's dirty. You're just, oh, uh, and I push it. Oh, I don't have any washer fluid. Uh, 
So I pay three bucks to do a quick rinse. Oh, it's gone up. Ugh, inflation, six bucks now for a quick rinse. Ah, uh, you know. And so you're like, man, my windshield. And he's like, oh, he's, and it just, and you, you can't see as well and, and, and everything like that. And you just need to take time to just, to just clear, clear the, the view. And I guess what I'm saying is sometimes we let other things cloud our view of God. Cloud our honest view of God. We let all the bad things of life cloud our view of God. God is still good. It's just all these things cloud it. Is that you? You just need to stop and wipe your windshield of your mind and of the forefront of your mind that's clouding your view of God. Like He's still good right there. So I'm letting these things cloud it. Maybe that's what you need to do today. So we can experience this. I want to rejoice in the Lord. I want to be like Paul. I want to be this, this type of Christian that, that has, makes the choice to rejoice. That's what I want to help you do too.